Hey, welcome to the Dad of a Dozen podcast. I'm your host, Doug H. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, we're going to be talking about honesty. So a couple questions I ask you. Have you ever told a little white lie? That's right. Have you ever told a little white lie? Have you ever cheated on your taxes? Hmm. How about that final exam at school? Have you ever fudged a little while in a job interview? Have you said something that just wasn't true just to get the job? Well, let's find out what the Bible says about being completely honest and what God says about his demand for us to being honest. So what does the Bible say about God's demand for honesty? Well, let's look at the Old Testament for just a second. Leviticus 19, 11 through 13 says this, You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another, and you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. God's word right there is in Leviticus. Old Testament says you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. Again, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16 says this. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight. A perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all who do such things all who behave unrighteously are an abomination they're detestable to the Lord your God this is Old Testament folks that if you were being dishonest and you weren't acting righteously you are an abomination you're detestable to the Lord your God I'm not saying this. This is what God is saying in his word back in the Old Testament. Let me give you one from the New Testament. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says this. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So God wants complete honesty from all his children and all those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ are his children. We shouldn't be stealing from one another or dealing falsely with our neighbors, but we're to be holy in our conduct, just as Christ was. Not to say that we're going to be Christ, because there's no one that can be Christ, because all of us are sinners. Jesus was the sinless man. But we need to at least strive to be holy in our conduct, just as Christ was, because we are to be the image, the mirror image of Christ. So when people see you, or they see me, do they see Christ? Or do they just see some other, some other Joe? We are to be like Christ. We, as, I told my, as I've told my children, we are walking billboards for Jesus. Whenever we leave our home, people will see the way that we behave. Are we behaving like a Christian, like one that is a follower of Christ? Or do we just blend in amongst all the other people? Or do we stand out? I believe, personally, we need to stand out as Christians. We need to be different than the rest of the world. And that's why I believe we need to be holy, just like Christ was holy. Our, ad our actions need to be holy. And so, do people see Christ in you as being truthful in all your dealings? So when someone sees you, do they go, that guy right there, or that gal right there, they're honest. You can go to them, and they will tell you the truth. I'd hope that that's what people would see when they see me or my kids or my wife, that they would go, they're very honest. They're honest people. You can deal with them. 
and they will deal with you honestly. And God wants complete honesty in our dealings with others. And so are you consistently honest in even the smallest details? Just because you think you're going to not be honest in one area and you think you can pull the wool over someone's eyes, guess whose wool, whose eyes you can't pull the wool over on? That's right, God's, because he's always watching. He's always there. It doesn't matter what you do, what you say. He's there. He sees it. He knows it. So let's be honest in all of our dealings, even the small little ones. Even as I said earlier, have you fudged a little in a job interview? Have you not told the truth about what you've done on the job? So just little things to think about. But God demands honesty from his people. He does, and his word backs that. So what are a couple of factors that influence us to act dishonestly? So we're supposed to be honest, but why do we act dishonestly? One of those is greed, that overwhelming desire to acquire wealth or power in excess of what one requires or deserves. They're thinking that what God has given you is not enough, and it's being discontented. God's given you these things, and you want more. And so you act in a greedy fashion for that. Okay, look at some of our politicians. I'm sure they're greedy for, for wealth, and they're greedy for power. And I believe some of them are not very honest. A lot of us can say some of our politicians aren't honest. Obviously, there's a lot of good ones out there, but then there's some of those politicians that we have that are dishonest. All they want to do is they want to make a name for themselves and they want to grab as much power as they can and they will do whatever they can to get your vote so that way they can be in that power position. And that's not what God has asked us to do as, as believers. He wants honesty in our whole life, in our whole area of our life. And so there's greed. People are greedy. They want the power and they want the wealth and they'll do whatever they can to get it. And second is a lack of faith. They're not trusting God for your needs. They're just not trusting God for the needs. They think that God will not provide for you. But we know that if we've put our trust in Jesus Christ, that he's going to provide us with our needs. As I said a few podcasts ago, that he will provide us with our needs when we look to him and we trust him as our savior. He will take care of us. So there are some influences that make us act dishonestly, and that's greed and lack of faith. Where is your faith? I'll tell you right now, my faith is not in the American government. My faith is not in a governor. My faith is not in any politician. My faith is in God and his son, Jesus. That's where my faith is at. And I hope that your faith is in God and his son, Jesus, because I know he's, gonna, he's got a place for me in heaven because I trust him as my savior. And I know he's going to take care of my needs. And I hope that you understand that he loves you and that he's going to take care of your needs as well. So if that's the case, then we need to be acting honestly and not being dishonest. So it brings me to my next question that I want to ask you is, can you practice dishonesty and still love God? And why? And obviously the answer to that is no, you can't. You cannot practice dishonesty and still love God. Here's why. Proverbs 14.2 reads, He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. So in other words, dishonest people act as if the Lord does not even exist. And you cannot love someone who doesn't exist. You're going to despise that person. And so we need 
we cannot be dishonest and still love God. Okay? John 14, 15 reads this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, do you love him? Then you must be honest in every area of your life and keep his commandments. This is love in action, folks. This is the love in action. Then you show your love by being obedient to his word. By being obedient to his word. So no, we can't be dishonest and still love God because it's an oxymoron. Because God is holy, he's just, and we cannot be dishonest and still love God. Because then that would be, we'd be hypocritical. And that's not what we're supposed to be as believers. So, okay, Doug, you're telling me all these things. That's great and wonderful. So what are some of the benefits for being honest? Because I see a lot of these people out here that are being dishonest and they seem to be prospering. Why? What's the deal? I've been honest. So what are some of the benefits for being honest? Well, let's go back to the word of God and see what the word of God tells us. What the benefits are of being honest. Psalm 15, one through five says this, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against a friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. So in other words, you will have a closer and intimate relationship with God when you're being honest. Like I said, he wants honesty. And when we're honest with God and we're being obedient to his word, guess what? We're going to have a closer and intimate relationship with God. Also, Proverbs twenty-two twelve says this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. So when we are honest, we are a delight to the Lord. And he says a lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So each time we say a lie, even a white lie, we're being an abomination to the Lord. And none of us want to be in that category of as an abomination to the Lord because that's bad. We want to be a delight to the Lord and we need to be truthful with him and with others. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, the righteous man walks in his integrity. And his children are blessed after him. So there comes a blessing on your children when you are honest. So men, women out there, if you have any children, do you want your children to be a blessed, be blessed? Then you need to be honest in all your dealings with others, but also with your children within your own home. And Isaiah 33, 15 through 16 reads this. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell high, oh, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him, his water will be sure. So the Lord will protect and provide the needs of the honest person. Again, as I said, you must trust the God and he'll take care of your needs. But he's also saying here that the Lord will protect you and provide for you for an honest person. He'll provide you the needs. He'll give you your needs if you're honest. So the conclusion of this is you're going to have an intimate and closer relationship with God by being honest. Those are the benefits. We are a delight to the Lord and there's going to be a blessing on your children and the Lord will protect you 
and provide for your needs. How wonderful is that by being honest, that God's going to do all of these things for you when you're honest to him and to others that are around you, okay? But that's the benefits. There's also another side of the coin. There's always a good side and there's always a bad side. And so what are some of the curses for dishonesty? There's always going to be curses. Here we go. Proverbs 3.32 states this, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Again, it's an abomination. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So in or- that basically means you're a wicked person. And the curse of the Lord is going to be on your house if you're lying. But he blesses the home of the just. If you're going to be honest and just in your dealings, guess what? You're going to be blessed. This also reminds me of another scripture that says, you reap what you sow. So if you reap honesty, you're going to get honesty. If you're going to reap lying, then you're going to get lying. People are going to lie to you. They're not going to be honest with you. But if you're going to be honest with them, then you're going to get honesty in return. Okay, here's some more curses. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. So basically anything that's obtained by dishonesty will be taken away because it's not done properly. So it's going to go away. You won't be able to, again, reap the benefits of that. Proverbs 21, 6 is getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. In other words, obtaining wealth by lying produces temporary gain, may produce a temporary gain, but in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. So the conclusion of the curses, some of the curses, I'm not labeling them all because we could go on for a while if I did that, but the conclusion of this is that you're alienated from God. You have a shorter lifespan and you have lack of abundance. And I don't believe any of us that are listening to this, they want to have any of those things. They don't want to have the curses. So in order to have the blessings, let's just be honest in all of our dealings. In all of our dealings, we need to be honest. Okay, so... With that being said, what does the Lord re- why does the Lord require honesty from leaders and why? Okay? So why does he require it? He does absolutely require uh, leaders to be honest. Exodus 18:21 says this. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall, shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will, be, they will bear the burden with you. So, in other words, leaders are to be honest. What does it say there? Able men that fear God, men of truth, hating, hating covetousness, Leaders in a church, in a workplace, in the home, they need to be men of truth because they set the standard and the direction for the church or the group they're leading. And if the leader is honest, then the workers will tend to be honest. And the same is true if they're dishonest. The action of a leader influences the actions of others. And being dishonest should disqualify a person from any form of leadership, especially in the church. And that's why it's so very important on who is selected as a leader in the church, from your pastor to your elder, even to your deacons. And that's why you as a church should look at 
a leader and see if they meet the requirements that are established in first first Timothy and Titus and are they men of truth okay in first Timothy obviously Timothy's talking about those that are in the church the leaders in the church but it's very important that leaders in the church have honesty and let me just read some of the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 about the qualifications for an overseer or for a deacon. I'm just going to read these to you, and this is why it's very important. Do people that are selected as your pastor, your elder, your deacons, do they meet this criteria that the Bible sets forth? And if they don't, then maybe we should not think about putting those people, those men, into leadership positions because they need to follow this mandate. And let, let me just read it to you so that way you can understand. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Or if you have heard it, let's, it's a good idea that we just always refresh our memory and we test all of the truth. So here's First Timothy 3. It says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So basically it's an overseer, such as a pastor or an elder. A bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife. Okay, blameless there is honest, that you can't find anything wrong with this gentleman. And he, need, he needs to be the husband of one wife. Obviously, he can't be married to two or three different women. Obviously, in our country that we live in now, we, we can't do that. But then that opens the door to people that have been divorced. Should they be in, in leadership? Eh, that's something for the elders to worry about. Personally, I don't believe so. But let me continue to read. The husband of one wife temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up, with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. See, these people, a man must follow these, in my opinion, each and every one of these, he must fall into this category, and also honesty. He, he must have good behavior, blameless good behavior, gentle, not quarrelsome, covetous, one who rules his own house. Well, we have problems with this because there's some elders, there's some pastors that don't even know how to rule their own families right. You always hear about the pastor's kids, how they're always unruly. They're problem children. I have my my opinion about that. I think it's because the pastors spend so much time at the church and they're trying to deal with other people's problems. They don't have time to deal with their own problems when their children are growing up. Not to say all pastors are that way, but I'm just saying that they have to have their children in submission with all reverence. And if a child is not going to be reverent, if a pastor or an elder can't control their own children, why should they be in charge of a church? That means they won't be able to even take care of the people that are in their own church. Talks about honesty. I'm saying this is why it's so important that leadership of a church follow these instructions. Here's a deacon. Likewise, deacons must be reverent. This is verse 8, chapter 3, same chapter. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith of the pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. There's that word blameless again. 
Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife. There we argue that husbands of one wife again, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. This is for the church. Timothy wrote this, or Paul wrote this to Timothy for the church, so when he's building the church up, he can find men that meet this criteria. And I'm taking it one step further, and I'm saying, do your pastors, do your elders, and do your deacons, do they meet the requirements of honest leaders? And if they do, then that's fantastic. That's what we need. We need to have men of truth that are leading our churches. We need men of truth that are leading our businesses out there in the secular world. We need people, men of truth, that run our country. We need our senators. We need our presidents to be men of truth that will lead us in truth. And we need them to be honest. And that's what this is all about. And the Bible is very clear about honest leaders. And we need to have that in our country, in our churches, and most definitely in our homes. All right, so that's, about, that's a little bit about what the Bible says about honesty when it comes to leaders and whatnot. But I want to change gears and I want to go back to that crown money map, the road to true financial freedom. The whole reason why I wanted to start all these podcasts was so that way we can get you guys out of debt that are in debt and those that aren't in debt, they can be using the money for God's glory and setting you up for your retirement. And so that's why I wanted to go over the road to true financial freedom. We've already gone over the two, the two destinations. Now I want to go over step three, but let me review first destination one and two. Number one is an emergency savings. You need to live off of a budget. We're going to create a, a budget or a spending plan. And then what you're going to do is you're going to save $1,000 for emergencies. In destination two, you're going to pay off all your credit card debts. And then you're going to increase your savings to one month's living expense. So those are the first two. Now, destination three is to pay off consumer debt. So that means you're going to pay off all of your auto loans, your furniture, your student loans, everything except your mortgage. Okay? And then you're going to increase your savings to three months living expenses. So from one month to three months. So that way, if anything happens, you're going to have the money and the savings to get you through until you can find another job. But this is the time that you're going to pay off all your consumer debt. And it's going to be, I don't know how long that's going to take because I don't know your situation. But remember, it's steady plotting brings prosperity. So we take a, we'll pay off one and then we'll take that money and pay off a second one, a third one, a fourth one. And the only thing that we should have, of, have left is our mortgage. Like I said earlier, most people don't have $450,000 sitting in their back pocket so they can buy a house with cash. So pay off your, your uh, consumer debt. And then increase to three months living expense. And remember, each time you finish a destination, you finish one of these steps, celebrate it because it's a great goal that you've, you've just completed. You've just completed a budget. You've got your thousand in emergency fund. It's great. So each time you, you complete a step, celebrate it. Whether that means going out for some ice cream or buying pizza or whatever, just have a, a nice celebration saying, look at, look at what we have done. We've gotten... Through this step, we've done what we've wanted to do. We've completed this goal. Because remember, as I said, 58% of Americans don't have $1,000 in their savings account. And I don't want you to be one of those. I want you to have money in your savings account in case there's an emergency. Okay, so there's steps one, two, and three. 
Okay, so that's honesty. That's the crown money maps, destinations one, two, and three. And so next, the next podcast is going to be all about giving. And so what kind of attitude should you have about giving? What are the benefits of giving? And who should you be giving to? So those questions will be answered next time on uh, the Dad of a Dozen podcast. Again, if you have any questions, you have any concerns, you have something you want to talk about, feel free to give me an email at dadofadozenkids at gmail.com. That's dadofadozenkids at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can and respond to your emails. Before I go, I just want to leave you with these, uh, this word here. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again.